Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com the final edition radio hour is a work of satire intended for people who own books gentrify neighborhoods and say they like kale Please consume responsibly the satire, that is. Hi, I'm Tony Hendra, and this is the Final Edition Radio Hour. We have a great podcast for you this week, full of messages of hope and renewal and vernal joy, as is proper now the Easter Bunny has risen, the Angel of the Lord has passed over, and John Bolton has sprung again from the bare American soil like a cross between a giant crocus and an angry walrus. American might will be on the march again, vaporizing brown people for their own good. American pollution will again be bringing us sunsets the color of what Australians call a technicolor yawn. God is in his heaven, happy to have his son back. Trump can finally be Trump. The margaritas are flowing in Cancun. All is well in the best of all possible Americas. So hop in your Tesla, let it drive you at top speed into the nearest utility pole, and rejoice to the mind-blowingly brilliant sounds of the Final Edition Radio Hour. How do you celebrate Passover? Well, we get a big ham. I eat crackers for three weeks and shit out spikes. As a shiksa, I'm rolling in dudes who want to make their moms mad. You gotta find the afikoman, and that's finding matzah, and it's the only time you're happy to see it. Manischewitz, more like manischewitz. Like you don't want to drink Gatorade wine. I put my penis in holy water. Well, uh, last time I found the afikoman, the prize was a Cadbury cream egg. Every year we watch Live and Let Die. It's the most important part of the Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought you said Purim. Uncle Saul says something inappropriate at 8 o'clock. You take the longest part of the entire ceremony and give it to the youngest children to read. Why is this night different than all other nights? I don't know. It's not. Every night is the same with this woman. I'm going to be going out for Chinese food. I hate it. When I was little, my dad every year would make me eat bitter herb. Ugh. Who invited bitter herb? I'm not bitter. I'm angry. Well, as Elijah the prophet, I guess I'll be traveling from home to home. I'm sort of like Santa Claus, except all I do is sit in a chair. That's very nice. Could you put some pants on, sir? I can't. Okay, if you don't leave now, I'm calling the police. I, I beg of you. I need a place to sleep tonight. I'm going to trick a kid into eating a quarter ounce of horseradish. Ugh, wake me when it's Logba Omer. Do we play with the dreidel now, or... Thank you for inviting me. This is a beautiful event. Vlog.
Vladimir Putin is big man baby with little baby testicles. <laughs> oh, that's good. That is good. Hillary, it's 2 a.m. What are you doing up? Oh, just fucking with Putin. <laughs> you can't meddle with the Russian election anymore, honey. Putin already won. That election was rigged. Yeah, partly by you. Although I wouldn't say you meddling was very effective. I don't understand why not. I did the same things that he did to me. You posted fake news to a Russian Facebook account that was obviously you. Helga Klintonsky? Was that too thinly veiled? Just a tad. No wonder Michelle Obama friended me. You also tried to hack into the Kremlin by pretending to be the Russian Fish and Wildlife Agency. Well, I thought it was the perfect phishing scam. You don't pull off a phishing scam by saying you're in the Fish and Wildlife Agency. Oh, now you tell me. You'd think that you'd be better at meddling with elections after being on the losing end of... Watch it. Besides... I did do one thing that narrowed the margin. I hired a Russian thug to throw a Molotov cocktail into a voting box. You what? Did he do it? He tried, but he ended up setting himself on fire. <gasps> but at least that was one less Putin voter. <laughs> What's wrong? <laughs> I'm Hillary Clinton and this is how I cry. Kind of like a cat and a dinosaur. <laughs> Meddling is hard. Ah, uh, don't beat yourself up, honey. Even if your meddling tactics had been more tactful. They still wouldn't have worked. Putin was going to win even if nobody voted for it. I envy that power. Hey, Hillary. I mean, Helga Klintonsky. Why don't we finish this Facebook post together? All right. Vladimir Putin is a big man baby. Do you have to do the Russian accent? Must you criticize everything I do, Bill? Sorry. Between 2001 and 2013, 1,367 young men in the U.S. military service lost all or part of their penises. No, this is not a lame-o setup so that we can do a lot of dick jokes about our wounded warriors. It's an actual, non-fake fact. But thanks to the miracle of modern medicine, penis transplants are now possible at a cost of about 400000 per penis. And thanks to the recent big increase in the defense budget, they may finally be affordable. And aren't phallus-shaped weapons less of a priority than nice new phalluses? Well, maybe. Some doctors say if a transplant isn't needed to save a patient's life, the operation raises serious ethical issues. The final edition spoke to Dr. Ben Dover of John Hopkins Military Hospital in Baltimore. Dr. Dover, how does a penis transplant work? 
like any other transplant. We wait for a donor, like say one of these moronic bikers. Surgeons remove his junk, get it over to us, and we attach it to our brave wounded warrior. Actually, compared to a liver or face transplant, it's pretty simple. Mostly veins and nerves, and the all-important urethra. The urethra allows the recipient to urinate again, correct? Right, but more important, the urethra is the channel for our plucky young warrior to shoot his sperm into a compliant female and ensure the survival of the human race. I'd say that has priority over taking a leak. So this breakthrough must be good news to transgender people as well as the military. You're kidding. You're talking about a gallant young fighter who's given his all for his country, including his John Thomas, versus some pervert skank who just wants to be a boy? Get out of here. Private Pile, you lost most of your penis in Helmand Province last year, and you're one of the first recipients slated for a penis transplant. How do you feel about doctors and bioethicists who worry that since it isn't to save a life, these transplants raise serious issues? I don't give a fuck about issues. I know my constitutional rights. The Constitution covers penis transplants? Sure does. The Fourth Amendment guarantees my right to privates. Gentlemen making her triumphant return. Two hours General Dickie Duncan is the Pentagon's top administrator for medical services and responsible for its overall medical budget. General, this new penis transplant breakthrough must be pretty thrilling news to all fighting men. Why? I'm a fighting man and it's fucking bad news to me. Why is that, General Dickie Duncan? Simple math, media parasite. <clears throat> Keep up, pussy. 1,327 peni at 400 grand each is $530,800,000 plus another 100 G's per penis for ongoing care to make sure the new dingus doesn't get rejected and fall off. Grand total, $663,350,000. You know what we can buy with that? A bomber? No! It buys 110 top procurement officers in two dozen militaries around the world. That's worth trillions. But aren't some of those militaries hostile to the U.S.? The whole world needs weapons. We're here to fill that need in Christ's name. So the Pentagon isn't going to pay for our wounded warriors' new penises? Nope. We got a better idea. Which is? Women in combat! It's time for a Not the Bible reading from Not the Bible. Today, the story of Abraham and Isaac. And they came to the place God had told them of. And Abraham built an altar there and placed wood thereon and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And Isaac said in a mighty voice, Father, art thou the fruit of a nut tree? Gettest thou that thing away from me? And Abraham answered, The Lord thy God spake unto me, Take now thine only son Isaac to the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering on a mountain I will tell thee of. And this... Is that mountain? And Isaac said, That beeth it? The Lord thy God told thee? 
Wherefore didst not the Lord my God tell me? What am I, liver that hath been chopped? And Abraham said, Thou art my only son Isaac, whom I love. When I slay thee, the Lord God will know I fear him above all others. And Abraham stretched forth his hand once more, and took the knife to slay Isaac. And Isaac said, Thou callest that love? How dost thou know the voice thou hearest in thy wrinkled pate beeth the Lord thy God? For according to my mother Sarah, thou art somewhere north of a hundred and fourteen years old. And Abraham said, The Lord God hath spoken. But Isaac wast not done. It is something rumbling in thy ancient bowels that speaketh to thee, not the Lord God. I say unto you, Father, eschew the figs and goat cheese. But Abraham stretched forth his hand again to take the knife and slay his son Isaac, and Isaac waxed exceeding wroth. Lay with me! Thou art one deranged old netherwind! For lo, thou canst not even tie a laying with knot! And Isaac sprang from his bonds which he had loosed, and took Abraham, and bound him, and laid him on the wood. Then stretched he forth his hand to take the knife and slay his father. And Abraham was greatly afeared, and babbled in strange tongues, and soiled himself. And Isaac said, Ew, father! That grosseth me out. Didst the Lord thy God make thee do that? Or wast it the figs and goat cheese? Yet took he pity on his old father, and the two of them went down out of the land of Moriah. For the Lord thy God's sake, leavest thy laying with loincloth here, and stayest thou upwind of me. Then came Abraham privily to the scribes, saying, And lo, I stretched out my hand, and took the knife to slay my only son Isaac, as the Lord God instructeth me. Then the Lord God spoke to me, praising my great devotion, and released me of the burnt offering of my beloved son. And... The Lord saith unto me, Thy seed shall numberless be as the stars of the heavens, because thou obeyest me. And the scribes wrote it down whatsoever Abraham told them, that it might promote righteousness and family values. And Abraham's seed was numberless as the stars of heaven. Save that. If thou thinkest about it, it was actually the seed of his only son Isaac, especially seeing as Abraham was quite willing to have no seed at all. And believeth it or not, this infanticidal drivel beeth the bedrock of the world's three great Abrahamic religions. Here endeth the reading from Not the Bible. One eight seven seven guns for kids. G U N Z guns for kids. One eight seven seven guns for kids. 
donate your guns today. 1-877-GUNS-FOR-KIDS G-U-N-Z Guns for Kids 1-877-GUNS-FOR-KIDS Donate your guns today. 1-877-GUNS-FOR-KIDS G-U-N-Z Guns for Kids 1-877-GUNS-FOR-KIDS Donate your guns today. Guns. Not a single responsible adult gun owner has been able to curb the recent wave of violence against our most vulnerable of citizens. The answer? More guns, of course. But this time, let's put them in the hands of the Americans that need them the most. So go to one of our local gun drives or apply for a shipping label online at www.gunsforkids.org and send that Glock 27 straight into the hands that need it the most. Remember, the only safe child is an armed child. Hello, and welcome to another installment in our continuing series on the evolution of humor. Tonight, episode 11, Who Cut the Cheese? Hey, Professor, what's in the container? It's cheese, Timmy. Cheese? Oh, boy. You got any crackers? (laughs) This cheese isn't for eating, Timmy. It's for entertainment. It's Limburger cheese. Oh, what's Limburger cheese? It's the famous stinky cheese. It's hard to believe now, but at the turn of the 20th century, most of American humor revolved around Limburger cheese. It was the Zima of its era. Oh, what Zima? (laughs) Maybe I should have said AOL discs. Oh, what's AOL? Shut up, Timmy. Despite its redolent properties, Limburger was one of the most popular cheeses of its day. A young swain would think nothing of courting his lady love with a generous hunk of Limburger. But around 1900, vaudeville, comic strips, and early cartoons all began to relentlessly revolve around how bad this cheese smelled. The vast Limburger cheese industry was doomed, although they didn't know it yet. But we know the exact moment of the tipping point. It occurred at the warehouse of a cheese importer named Hans Gutenscheiss. Luckily, someone happened to record the moment on their phone, O'Graph machine. Listen. Little Tommy, gold inventory, the Limburger again. This seemed to have an overstock. But why? Gee, Mr. Gutenscheiss, I was at the picture show last night, and Ignaz sure was giving it to Crazy Cat with a brick of Limburger cheese. Everybody was laughing on account on how bad it stunk. What? That is not good. Eventually, when people were offered Limburger in restaurants, they'd ask themselves, Say, isn't that the stuff Popeye fed to Brutus? The new media destroyed what was once a thriving Limburger industry. Didn't they try to rebrand? Of course. In a payola scandal in 1936, Limburger executives paid the Three Stooges to try and replace Limburger in their films with other cheeses. The results were disastrous, as these rare clips illustrate. Mo, Larry, Gorgonzola! Mo, Larry, Gorgonzola! Cut. Oh, a wise Gouda. Cut. Well, why didn't they just supply Limburger to Hollywood? Because it wasn't real. Actual Limburger was far too dangerous to use on set. Prop masters substituted camembert or even feta. 
Is Limburger really that dangerous? Now I want to try it. <laughs> Timmy, let me tell you what would happen if I opened this container. The smell would be so strong that it would form itself into a spectral hand which would beckon to you with its finger. When you refuse to approach, it would fly up your nostril. At that point, all of your features would fly off your face and return. Your head would spin several rotations, making this sound. Your eyes would go around like a slot machine, stopping on X's. Suddenly, your body would go stiff as a board with this sound. You would lie in a funeral pose as a translucent winged version of you rose from your body playing a harp. At that point, your only hope of survival would be to frantically pull your translucent doppelganger back into your body. Okay, we can just get some string cheese from the 7-Eleven. <laughs> Smart lad. That's it for this installment of the Evolution of Humor. Next time, we explore the psychoactive properties of Welsh rarebit. And now... The Internet. Threat or menace? I'm Tony Hebra. And I'm Jess Kimball Leslie. What are we going to talk about, Jess? Uh, did you just hear that uh, apparently, I think it's Sergey or Larry, I think it's Sergey, one of them is building the biggest plane that's ever existed. And they have called it a charity plane. It's going to you know, fly to various ignored countries and like airdrop supplies, I guess. But the other thing that they are trying to leave in kind of the liner notes of the plans for this gigantic airplane that's bigger than any other airplane is that it's also a party plane for their friends and family. And I just kind of have this image of it where it's just weaving in and out of clouds and rainbows that you and I have never seen. You know, when people are having a disco party on the on the Sergey Larry plane while it airdrops supplies to the rest of us. And it's kind of like, you know, as someone who writes and thinks a lot about the future, I now know that I see it. Um, and, and that is what it looks like. Well, as someone who thinks a lot about the past, uh, that sounds to me like Sergey or Larry. Is Sergey or Larry? I think we should think of some sort of mutated joint name for them. Yeah. Sir Larry? Sir Larry. Perfect. Very nice. So Sir Larry. So Sir Larry, uh, I would say, is, is exhibiting the Howard Hughes complex. I mean, does he have, um, does he have a terrible uh, fear of uh, infection and insects? And is he growing his fingernails enormously long? One would only assume yes. So that's a, that's obviously a, a syndrome that Shogun awful. Thank God we're here to study it. Yes, and thank God we're here to criticize it and take it apart and, if possible, put it in its grave. Exactly. Okay, well, that's basically our job here, and um, that's why we're calling ourselves the Internet Threat or Menace. After three decades of almost utterly unregulated, unethical pillage, piracy, drug pushing, market manipulation, and outright fraud, ripping the very heart out of the social fabric of America from megabanks to mob and pop businesses, the uh, stemocracy, as I call it, is now experiencing a wave of remorse. We might, rather than buyer's remorse, call it seller's remorse, because they're the ones that have been selling us all this junk for this long. And that's, uh, that's sort of what we want to talk about in this particular episode of The Internet Threat or Manners. It is. We've been reading the paper, as one's supposed to do, uh, 
of course, using the appropriate paywalls, as is appropriate. Your overlords need their paywalls. So we've been reading the paper and the headlines. It's time to build a less addictive iPhone, decrees the New York Times. Facebook has said that social media can be damaging to people's health. And it's really time that we take these ideas very seriously. So a gentleman called Chamath Palihapitiya says, uh, quote, Facebook is destroying how society works. And Mr. Palihapitiya's net worth is about $1 billion, literally. That is not a figurative or hyperbolic statement. He is worth about $1 billion, almost all of it from working at Facebook. It's nice to know that the billionaires who are flying around in the sky in their party planes, airdropping supplies to the rest of us, occasionally are demonstrating some level of concern for how things are going back on Earth. Yes, uh, so I'm very grateful for the sentiment. I'm waving from the ground by my cardboard box house, Amazon Cardboard, of course, like any homeowner of respectable repute, um, waving and saying, thank you so much for your concern. Yes, they do actually, it seems, have a conscience. But this seems unlikely to me, since they obviously haven't had a conscience for three decades, and people really don't don't change. I agree. Um, so what do we think actually will this, let's call it the second or third, actually the third great awakening, um, what form will this take? We think that this is yet another money-making scheme. And we suspect that a new exciting trademark round of products are headed our way from the good people at Apple and Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat. And we have certain suspicions about what those products might look like when they hit the market in time for the holiday season 2018. <laughs> so what you're saying is that a wave of new social media tools are going to be available to us, but you'll use them less. Yes, but also more. So they won't be quite so social social media. What will they be? Well, Tony, we're going to need to use some space-time theory here because we're going to just need to completely defy any principles of logic as they're understood on an earthly basis. Okay. We're going to need something that makes more money, but also seems like it makes less money, is less good, but seems more good. Do you follow what I'm saying here? We're going to need a lot of fonts, design work, influencers. I've often said before that I don't think social media is social at all. You it have. basically means that we all live in our little... I'm so completely therefore, convinced that World War Three will start when Putin just starts dropping mirrors down, you know, over New York City and everyone will just be gazing at themselves. Right. And boom. Absolutely. The selfie war. The great selfie it, war. It may well be that what we are now going to be sold is something that you could, in general, call anti-social media. Let's take a look at what form that might take. Let's say... For example, Apple. Apple has itself said it worries about addiction. How do you see, let's assume it's going to be the iPhone 11, will be non-addictive in what way? Well, I have a theory that Johnny I will have a big breakthrough in design, you know, and he will realize we've got to get back to our roots 
you know, and then he's going to just make a phone out of quartz or, you know, teak is a great, it's extraordinarily valuable and rare and kills dozens of birds a second. It really does. Those birds miss it, but we love it, you know? And so it's hard to see a value exchange there where it doesn't work out for us. Right. Um, And so one of those kind of rare materials, you kind of can picture it like maybe it will just have this set of buttons that do very calming things, you know, maybe, and also bird sounds. And everyone will carry it around to kind of say, I am somebody who doesn't need an iPhone. I mean, I have one in my bag, but also I have this device. Mm -hmm. What does it do, Tony? I don't know, but I don't think that's important. I think what's important is the material that it's made out of and what it looks like and what it says about me as a New Yorker. I think it's got to be to some degree, it's just like, um, uh, what, is, what is it the thing they give you when you're a heroin addict? Methadone. Oh, it, yes. It's, it's, I mean, methadone is still a drug. And um, even though it's, it's a much more sort of low kind of drug than, than heroin, um, as I know from extensive use of birth. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, so, I mean, this is going to be the methadone iPhone, actually. Um, I can see the branding already. Yeah. That's going to look really great in San Francisco font. Methaphone. That's right. The iPhone is heroin, and this is going to be the methaphone. Put it there. Okay. One of the things I've always objected to the eye branding of Apple goods is the eye. It seems to me we have enough solipsism in society as it is without underlining it by calling everything eye. I mean, it's just so eye, eye this, eye that, right? Eye Apple. Um, and... Um, Maybe it'll be a UFA. Or a WeFa. It could be a WeFa. But in, in any event, I mean, at least that would acknowledge the existence of the other. You know, you, you make your first trillion or so so easily. Yeah. And then when you go to re-addict uh, your, your beaten masses, your unemployed vagrants roaming about, clinging to the invisible shares of Uber that their fidelity manager probably maybe bought them, uh, at its peak value before it lost half of it, uh, you know. It's, and, the, and its cryptocurrency. And, and your price cryptocurrency, price. which is hemorrhaging. Jingling in their pocket. Yeah. Jingling and falling out of your pocket. Well, what about Snapchat? I really love Snapchat. Right. I I think that they, they're not going to release a new product. Tell me why you love area. Snapchat, first of all. Because I just, I love the idea of the kid in the back of the classroom that wasn't listening, that's wearing all designer clothing, that had 11 sick days last week because there was a state-mandated test, um, you know, and has gel in his hair, is now running the world, you know? And, like, it's kind of like, that's what we deserve. So we got what we deserved, and it's Snapchat. If I was going to elect a president, it's that kid. He's perfect. He meets all of my requirements. It's the spazoid mouth-breathing kid. The spazoid mouth breeders are who run this world. Right. So it. Um, so it did they not just make- don't know. They have no idea. You know, they're just going to make another. You know, they're a camera company now. So that that's how they describe themselves. So they're just going to make another camera, and they're just going to they're going to keep going. Right. And uh, and God bless them for it. Well, now here's the big one. Of course, the one that everyone sort of. Um, Pissing on at the moment is uh, is Facebook. Poor Facebook. And poor on Facebook because I mean Facebook has done so much good for the world. It's interesting that simultaneously with this seller's remorse or great awakening, the kid with the mild serial killer tendencies 
um, also acquired religion. Um, a, a lifelong atheist, he, he is now aware of his Jewish faith and believes in it. Did you know this? I, no one called me. Yes. And it seemed to happen after he met the Pope once more, I, which he did last summer, I think. I had no idea, yeah, but yeah, yet it makes perfect yeah. sense. Zuckerberg finds God. Good God for him. God has not, however, found Zuckerberg yet. Here's my take on, on what I think is going to happen with Zuckerberg. I think he comes up with the term anti-social media. I think, I think he's absolutely brilliant for doing so. And that's kind of the driving force of what he has to say. And um, my, my take on Zuckerberg is he just has no affect at all. I mean, he's in, on, on, a, on a global level, he has a global lack of affect. Um, so instead of actually trying to sort of reform Facebook in some way that makes it, um, let's say, less usable by ISIS and, um, you know, less likely to encourage uh, Nazi murders in the South, um, that, that, um, that, he, that he says the trouble with Facebook is that it's simply gotten too big. It is, in fact, now faceless. Facebook is faceless. And the only way to cure that is to break up the, the, the phone monopoly into smaller companies. These are what he now has in mind. Break up Facebook into Placebook, which is for travel, Casebook, which is for crime, Spacebook, which is obvious, Tastebook, about cooking, Facebook, also obvious, it's just one consonant away, and Gracebook, which is just for Christians. And for all those unsafe alt-right trolls across the globe, there's even Racebook. Casebook, Gracebook, <laughs> Lacebook. Lacebook, there you go. That's basically Pinterest. Pinterest right? Did we both say the same thing? We did. Let's do it dollars in the basket. <laughs> Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening to the Final Edition Radio Hour. The voices of the Final Edition are performed by Bruce Cherry, Daisy Hobbs, Jen Dodd, Jim Earl, Rob Gordon, Keith Saltahanes, Tony Hendra, Gil Barron, Ben Kirchner, John Gutierrez, Samantha Gerwitz, Barry Lank, Sean Ari Lehair, James Mount, Jeff Chrysler, John Marshall, Abby Parker, Jessica Park, Kurt Weitzman, Rachel Rauch, Andrew Danish, Candice Martellero, Antu Shell, Rob Miller, Kayla Merrill, and Leslie Shapiro. The Final Edition Radio Hour is written by Kit Lively, Samantha Gerwitz, Candice Martellero, Bruce Cherry, Jen Dodd, Tony Hendra, Rob Gordon, Jeff Chrysler, John Marshall, Barry Lank, James Mount, Gil Barron, Ben Kirchner, John Gutierrez, Jessica Park, Kurt Weitzman, Leslie Shapira, Melinda Hughes, Jeremy Rayburn, Steve Rosenfield, and Peter Kleinman. The Final Edition Radio Hour is produced and directed by Tony Hendra and Jeff Chrysler. West Coast production by Barry Lank. Audio edited by Greg Russ and Andrew Hammond. The Final Edition Radio Hour is the property of the Final Edition Radio Hour. Copyright 2014. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.